0: Hi, welcome to Back to Excited, episode 25. My name is Arvin, and joining me as always, from PensionFanPuppets.com, it's Acting the Fool ah! We signed John Tavares. <laughs> we
1: signed John Tavares. Oh my lord. I thought there was a chance. I thought there was even a good chance, but I did not really, on an emotional level, believe that this could happen. I've been hurt too yeah. many times before. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean... My defense mechanisms were up. You know, I was like, oh, okay, he's probably going to stay. And then when it became clear, he wasn't going to stay. It's like, okay, well, you know, he, he still could go to San Jose. So, you know, keep it even. But he signed here. He did. Seven years, $11 million. He allegedly A lot took of money. less
1: money to be here. Is, well, uh... It
0: doesn't surprise me because we heard that the Islanders' final offer was like 8 by 11.3. Mm. 8 by whatever number divided by 8 makes, uh, or sorry, whatever number multiplied by 8 gives you 91 because uh, yeah. people I, that, apparently that was, the, that was what they, they offered. I'm, I'm like kind of delirious right now.
1: <laughs> I think we all are. Like, it's all a bit unreal. Uh, the fact is the Leafs are now about to ice the best forward lineup that they've had ever, like, or at least certainly since um, 1967. Like This is yeah. about to be, I, I mean, probably the best all-around Leafs team we've ever seen. Um,
0: like it is. Yes. I, I don't, uh, uh, this season, I think it that's fair to say.
1: Yeah. Uh, it just, it, it's kind of mind boggling just because, you know, Tavares is the hometown kid, like every hometown kid from Steven Stamkos going back. It feels like decades. Um, you know, every, tr- every free agent who was from Toronto was linked to Toronto. And of course they never came. Tavares is the best free agent to go to market. At least since Ilya Kovalchuk, and even then Ilya Kovalchuk winded up resigning with the team that already had him. He's probably the best player to change teams um, via free agency in the salary cap era, I think. At least the best forward. I mean, maybe Pronger or something. But, like, that's unbelievable. I can't believe that we have John Tavares.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm guessing no one listening to this needs us to convince you that John Tavares is... A great player but he, he is he is right now one of the best players in the league uh a step down from the mcdavid crosby malkin tier but not that much lower mm-hmm. he, he's about as good a player as you can reasonably ask for
1: yeah i mean he's he's a top eight center probably in the nhl offensively at least he's he's right there i mean he has a, a long track record of turning guys who were I don't want to quite say no names, but guys who were clearly like lesser talents into Mm -hmm. 30 goal scorers or more like uh, Matt Molson, Kyle Oposo, Michael Grabner, who I actually, you know, really like, but like Tavares made these guys. And then most prominently, Anders Lee had, I think, let me look this up. Yeah. He had 40 goals this year and no one even really gave him very much credit for it because it was John Tavares feeding him. Um, you know, I don't know how the lines are going to work out. We'll speculate a little bit on that, but it, I would not be surprised if uh, Tavares gave a winger, uh, whoever it might be, his first like twenty-five goal season this year. He has the capacity to do
0: that. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's really, really, really good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I'm sorry, I'm kind of almost lost for words. He's As you said, you know, all the superlatives you said were true. He's the type of player who you almost never see leave a team in free agency, who we have never seen leave a team in free agency. The only way guys of this caliber even really get traded is when, you know, a team is like too cheap, like Ottawa was about to be with Eric Carlson, Mm -hmm. or a team is too stupid, like Edmonton was with Taylor Hall.
1: Oh, good times. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so hard
0: to add elite talent and and the least added elite talent paying nothing but cap space. Now, the cap space is significant, and we'll get into that. Yeah. But, but like, like I'm Leafs...
1: over the moon about this. Like, this is...
0: Yeah, it's it's hard not to be. And, you know, over the course of the podcast, we'll, we'll address, I guess, kind of the, the criticisms such that they exist of this sort of signing and the sort of the trade-off that the Leafs will need to make regarding it because they will need to make some trade-offs. This is not consequence-free. hmm but, like, I'll, it's as close to a slam dunk as you can get.
1: Yeah, I, and I will say, I think we should address this right now. People are talking about the consequences that potentially come from this. But they're talking kind of in a crazy way. Like, there's already some stuff, like, there's a tweet going around saying, somebody offers Sheet Nylander. The Leafs will match. The, like, it's not like the Leafs would have any problem doing that. Um, it would squeeze them. It would inconvenience us. But I feel confident saying that this is not going to cost the Leafs William Nylander, unless they decide Mm -hmm. that that's what they want to do, which they shouldn't, and I assume won't. Um, Yeah. The the Leafs have firmed up their core now. So when we talk about the core, we're now talking Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Riley, Kadri. Those are all core players who are either signed for the next four seasons or more, or they're going to be under team control due to RFA status. I would add Anderson to that as well. Yeah, Anderson has got three years left. So you can reasonably anticipate that the Leafs will have all of those players uh, for the foreseeable future if they want to, um, which I expect that they will. Um, That said, you're locking in John Tavares at... Seven years at eleven million. Matthews is uh, after this season is going to get an extension that I suspect will be also about
0: eleven million. Uh, I expect it'll be pretty much the same thing. I wouldn't in terms of AAB.
1: I wouldn't be totally shocked if the Leafs extended Matthews at the first opportunity on a mirror deal to John Tavares. Um, We'll see if that works out. But like, if we find out by the end of this month that Matthews is signed for eight by eleven, that wouldn't shock me. Mm-hmm. But uh, at at any rate, Marner is going to, depending on who you ask, make like eleven million as well. But realistically, yeah, probably is going to make seven or eight, I think, depending on how this season goes. And then Nylander. Yeah, but
0: yeah. Between seven and eight.
1: Yeah, and then Nylander, I think,
0: right now is going to get six point five or seven. Yeah.
1: Um. So that's a lot of money. And again, if you do the math on this, for this season, that leaves you with about. Maybe four million, or maybe a little less to kind of sign Andreas Johnson and play with. The free agent market is kind of mostly finished now. Uh, so the Leafs might make a, a minor addition. They did just add Josh Juris, but like this is probably going to be the team. Um, yeah, so
0: so you mentioned that after signing the enter, let's say, for seven million, they'll have like four million in cap space this year, correct, to make upgrades. Yeah. Um, Um, Is that including uh, any sort of buffer for potential bonuses?
1: Yeah, yeah. We had a a fan post, actually, that uh, took a look at this. And so I'm indebted to Daniel Hackett, um, who's a pretty smart guy writing about basketball, which has a much more complicated CBA than hockey does, if you can believe that. Um, And the way he worked it out was he had Tavares signing for 10. So Tavares actually signed for eleven. But under those circumstances, he had a two million buffer for bonuses to avoid bonus overages rolling over and hurting our cap space in the future, and then about four million to make additional upgrades. Um, so now three million because Tavares went a little bit over. It's hard to see how we um, will really exploit that. I do think I think you know Andreas Janssen is going to get maybe two million. Um, I
0: think two million is, is, is very high for Johnson like when he's played nine NHL regular season games, right like that's true. his, his, his track record in the AHL is nice mm-hmm. um, but I mean I, I would expect something maybe a, a little north of a million. I don't know. Okay I, I don't see it being
1: Well, th- then that's I see
0: it being like variable, not that we would bury Johnson, but I see it being you know a, a million or so or less.
1: The only thing I wonder is if they're trying to get some term on it. Like, do they try to sign in for two years now, uh, or does Janssen take a one year? Um, It's
0: possible, yeah, because the Leafs have, the Leafs do have some cap space this year, right? Like, we we just described, you know, there's 3 million, 2.5 million even, let's say, in upgradable space, right? And that's including a buffer for bonuses, Mm -hmm. which is potentially important because the Leafs will not have space next year, and you don't want anything eating into that space. But the Leafs right now with Tavares have essentially a full roster of players that would ice a contender. Yeah. Right, like, like go, to, go down the lines. And, you know, these, these are not actual line combinations, just listing combinations of players. But Hyman, Matthews, Nylander. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Marlow, Kadri, Marner. Okay, cool. Uh, Janssen, Taveras, Kapanen. Yeah. That's your third line. Fourth line, uh, Juris, uh, Levo, Lindholm, Brown. Like, yeah, one of those guys is a spare. That's, that's fine. The defense has not been changed. They still have uh, everyone for the defense. So it's not a particularly great one, mm-hmm. but it is a defense. They are hockey players who exist. <laughs> um, they take
1: up three-dimensional space and are carbon-based life forms. So that's, you know, I
0: mean, <laughs> what more do you want? Three-dimensional space. I mean, I've seen Morgan Roddy at the Blue Nine. I, don't, I wouldn't <laughs> describe anything. <laughs> any, the space he covers there is three-dimensional. He condenses um, into a
1: single point that the puck goes past.
0: Um, exactly. Y- so the, the point is, this season... Even without any further upgrades, the Leafs have enough room to absorb bonuses mm-hmm. and ice a contender. Which is wild. Now granted... It's very wild. You know,
1: people are going to say the defense isn't good enough to contend with. The defense
0: isn't... It, which is valid. That's a valid yeah. point. It's well, not a good. I mean, like, defense.
1: it's not hard to figure out what the weak point is. <laughs> it's yeah. the defense. Um, you, you know, at most, you hope for a bit of an upgrade uh, from Travis Dermott kind of coming into his own. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're a big fancy stats believer, you think Connor Carrick is going to get in now. And Roman Polak, who has gone to the Dallas Stars now, God rest his soul, um, is no longer going to be played over Carrick. So maybe you think we're going to get some marginal benefit there. But, you know, this is a thin defense. But the thinnest defense that won in recent memory was Pittsburgh, um, where they had Justin Schultz as their best defenseman one year. Chris Letang is their best defender, and he was injured for the playoff run, uh, and they won anyway. And you say, well, they had Crosby and Malkin, and up to this point, we've said, yeah, that's the big difference. We don't have anyone as good as Crosby or Malkin, but Matthews, Tavares, and Kadri. It's a really good approximation. Competitive, at least in terms yeah. of top three. Um, and somewhere you're going to get one really, really good center who is just destroying competition. You know, the Leafs benefited from uh, JVR and Bozak kind of feasting on uh, weak competition now. And whether it's Kadri or Tavares or Matthews who benefits, I think we can exploit that to an even greater degree
0: now. And the thing is, this also takes a notable burden off Kadri. Now, there's mixed opinions on John Tavares' defense. Mm -hmm. But regardless of that, he is able to face top competition and hold his own. He's not someone who has gotten sheltered through competition by any means. Yeah. Teams have tried to lock their star guys onto him. So, you know, you can, you can play him. You have three centers now who you can play almost anywhere. You know, you don't have to be so fastidious about deployment and usage uh, the way we were last year. Because I, as much as I think Bozak and Van Reemstijk didn't get the credit they deserved for, for you know, blowing the, the doors off expectations in, in their role, they were given a very particular role Yeah, and you know, that, that doesn't necessarily have to exist now.
1: Yeah, um, which is kind of incredible. I mean, it, it's a surreal Cerberus situation where it's like, there's no longer a safe way to defend the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is kind of wild to contemplate. Like, there's no situation where you're not staring down a really, really good line that's uh kind of terrifying you i mean kadri's like a low-end one C, and he's our third best center
0: now i can't believe this man
1: Uh, yeah anyway but yeah yeah sorry go ahead
0: so the 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 flaws are still there Mm -hmm. as we mentioned right like i'm not sure how much this does to fix the issue of the leafs being having so much trouble getting out of their zone yeah right um I mean, we talked, we alluded to Tavares's kind of the controversy over his defensive ability. Uh, he was certainly poor at it early in his career, like most centers are. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last two years, his defensive results have been, have been better. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard to evaluate because the Islanders were so garbage defensively. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, the Islanders, I think, I said this uh, internally the other day, but like, The three teams that we played where I was really sure that their defense was worse than us were Buffalo, the Rangers, and the Islanders. Like, the Islanders' defense, for whatever reason, and it's a team thing, but they were awful. Um, So it's kind of hard to slice up exactly how much of that was John DeVaris. um, But I suspect, certainly, you know, he can't play defense for a whole team. Um so, yeah, I, I'm not too concerned about that. I would rather pay for elite offense every time. Um,
0: yeah, it, it, it's fun If you look at um, kind of the wins above replacement metrics that we have, the vast majority of value is provided through 5v5 offense and power play offense. Right. Uh, for, for, for forwards, for forwards. Right. So like, even someone like Patrice Bergeron, who is, you know, incredible defensively. Yeah. More of his value is provided offensively than defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, like the, the the incredible thing about Bergeron is he is so good defensively while also being very very good offensively. Right. Um, right. Like if, if he's when you're just incredibly good defensively, you're Miko Koivu and like you're a nice player who no one really cares about.
1: Yeah, and you know I see a lot of things. I'm already seeing some people saying like, oh, you know Tavares is actually only as good as Matt Duchesne or Logan Couture or whatever, and it's like, do you really believe that? Like, I, I honestly would be fascinated to see someone who genuinely thought that was the case. Um, I fully grant, you know, uh, he may have flaws. He may be imperfect. But I, again, just elite offense is the trump card uh, in hockey. And I would take that every day over even, yeah, Miko Koivu, a perfectly nice player in Minnesota who is never going to win anything. So...
0: We randomly crap on Minnesota a lot. Eh? I've
1: noticed that, which is like they're not even,
0: like they're not I'm, bad or like I, I I like Minnesota. I was I generally root for them when I when I see them. Like they, they seem they're a nice team.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, a buddy of mine and I discussed the Minnesota curse for a while, which is you always finish like ninth in your conference, and you're never bad enough to actually pick high, and you're never good mm-hmm. enough to do anything, and. They've been a little better than that, but by and large, that's basically kind of what they've been for their whole existence. So it is kind of like they're in purgatory the whole time, but you know, they're fine. Um, they probably deserve to be mocked less than the Oilers, who we definitely make fun of a ton and with absolutely good reason.
0: So I I guess I almost don't even know what to discuss here. Cause it's like the signing is almost like everyone or m- most people realize that it's just an incredibly good signing, mm-hmm. right? It's hard to be the contrarian about this, although people are going to try. Oh, yeah. So actually, with that said, let's, let's kind of head off some of those arguments at the pass Yeah. Um, about the contrarian. Here's why signing Tavares isn't actually that great. So the first thing that gets said a lot, um, signing Tavares means you will not be able to keep all of your young stars. Fullman, is that true or false? False.
1: So we've been talking about this already, but um, the Leafs absolutely have the cap space to sign all three of the big three young players. They're going to be squeezed elsewhere. It might cost them Jake Gardner in a year's time, which is too bad because Gardner is at the least one of our best two defensemen, notwithstanding he had a pretty brutal end to his season. Um, but certainly we're going to be able to have uh, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander for the foreseeable future. If anyone were to try to offer sheet Nylander, which they're not going to because nobody has tried an offer sheet in the NHL in five years.
0: It would have to be like a spite offer sheet. Oh, yeah. It doesn't doesn't make sense for for them. to. I mean, the entire construct of offer sheets is such that it's almost impossible to get a good deal on them, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have to pay to the point that the other team wouldn't match. Now, that can only really happen if you overpay or if the team is completely cap strapped or cash strapped and cannot afford to pay it. Yeah, um, the latter doesn't apply to the Leafs. So, I mean, as much as I love William Nylander, if someone wants to pay him ten million and give us four first round picks, it sucks. But I would, we wouldn't, we wouldn't match if it's absurd. But that doesn't really help the team that's signing it.
1: No, I mean, if you're thinking, you know, the Islanders are going to retaliate because we've taken the free agent, one, I would be stunned. To my knowledge, Lou Morello has never, in his very, very long career, uh, signed a player to an offer sheet. Um, it would be quite something if he left the organization and then immediately turned around to try to go after it. But either way, even with Nylander, uh, the Isles have a lot of problems, and giving up four first-round picks would be risking giving up some pretty high draft selections. So, I, I yeah. you know, I don't think that's at all realistic. And then beyond that, you're saying, you know, who's going to sign a predatory offer sheet? Well, how many teams have 8.1 million in cap space or whatever the... The lower limit is going to be and the opportunity to use it. And the reality is, if it's anything even remotely reasonable, the Leafs could match because this season, uh, Matthews and Marner are still on their ELCs. And so if they absolutely get cornered, they still have that margin that we were talking about to hang on to Nylander and then they, they worry about it next year um, and address it. The reality is teams don't really tend to lose RFAs if they don't want to. Unless they're much more squeezed than the Leafs are, even now, even with Tavares, um, the bargaining power is too lopsided in favor of the teams, and offer sheets are not a realistic option. I was, yeah, I was like and... super pro offer sheets. By the way, I've had a change of heart. Offer sheets are bad. No one should ever do them anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the other thing that has to be mentioned with offer sheets is that the player has to sign them. Yeah, I mean, they have to want to leave. It's not something that's very likely to happen.
1: No, I, I'm i not really concerned about it. Um, there are a lot of people who want to rain on Leaf fans parades because, you know, we're the most low. Loath- we're annoying. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs>
0: we're off an- cop to it. We're annoying.
1: Um, I aspire to be much more annoying because, trust me, if we win with this core, oh my god, I'm going to gloat for like 17 years. <laughs> I will be unimaginably obnoxious, even compared to how I am now. But either way, you know, people want this to be not good. Uh, Or they want to say, you know, Devaros isn't actually that great. I saw Grant McCagg, who's always good for a laugh. He's like, I actually, you know, I'm I'm not even unhappy that Devaros was not meeting with the Habs. It's like, yeah, okay, man. Like, (laughs) has there ever been a team that's more in desperate need of a first-line center right now than the Habs? and he like Tavares yep. wouldn't even meet with them. That that hurts. There's no getting around how
0: much that hurts, man. The Tavares truthers are weird to me because I mean and they do exist. Where it's like, "Oh, you know, Tavares is good, but he's not that good." And it's like, "Okay, yes, he's not Connor McDavid, but uh, what what do you want here?" Yeah. Right? Like he he's and this has to be said, he has not had a line mate who has succeeded after him yet. Ever. <laughs> no.
1: I I mean, he- Honestly, like, for a while there, um, it was almost like magic. Like, you got put with Tavares, the Buffalo Sabres signed you to an extension, and you were terrible after that. Matt Molson is still making $5 million a year in the AHL. um, Pretty much thanks to John Tavares. Which is kind of incredible to believe that you can have that kind of impact. Um, But yeah, it's... uh, It's really something to contemplate now. But this is it, I I should say. Like, this is our core.
0: Yeah, there's no changing from here. Yeah, The core, anyways. It's it's very, very unlikely. Yeah.
1: I mean, this is a situation where it's like, if you really wanted... If you really felt that you couldn't win with this defense, no matter how good your offense was, you might consider trading William Nylander. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that you're going to get back adequate value in a trade. You know, yeah. if it's a Jones for Johansson thing, maybe, but that trade is so memorable, you know, it worked for both teams because it's so rare for that to happen. Um, if all that's all on offer is all for Larson, then the hell with it. You know, try and win games with offense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah, Re- really couldn't say much more than that. Um, okay, so the next thing that will be said is that Taveras is a good player. He's a great player, but mm-hmm. the contract means... That you know, it's not an efficient contract you, for, for the wins that you are getting. Mm-hmm. You are not paying a product. You're not paying a, a low rate for them. You're paying a fairly high rate for them.
1: Right. And so some of the so arguments on that. Yeah. Some of the argument against this contract is going to be if you come up with a wins above replacement stat for hockey. You know, how many wins is this player adding compared to a replacement level player who you pick up on the waiver wire? Um, John Tavares is not going to give you a great return per dollar because he's making full value as a free agent. But there's more than just getting the most wins per dollar. When you have a team um, that's really close or that's reasonably close to contending, you should be willing to trade future wins for present wins. You should be willing to stack up as many present wins as you can any way you can, even if each individual contract in the course of you doing that is not necessarily the most efficient. So you can say, sure, maybe you get, um, you know, more economical deals by, you know, looking for Corsi superstars or whatever and shoring up your third pair or something. But that's not going to give you the best possible team right now. You want to add a guy who's going to make the biggest possible impact in a large amount of ice time because right now this team is poised to contend for a cup. Um, and so you do that by spending money. And so it can be a contract that is, in some sense, an overpay that is still the right st- decision to make for a team at this point in its
0: development. Put another way, the amount that a win is worth is not linear. Mm-hmm. Going from bottom feeder to below average. Those wins are not worth very much. They're actually worth maybe negative amounts because you're taking yourself out of prime lottery position.
1: Exactly. The wins, the, the Minnesota curse, actually, that we were just talking about. If Minnesota <laughs> moves up from, say, 25th to 17th in the NHL, uh, that's a considerable improvement in performance. But what good does it do them?
0: If yeah, not a whole lot. So you don't want to pay a lot for those wins. This is a concept that's been explored a lot in baseball. The wins that are valuable are wins that take you from being a playoff bubble team to being a comfortable playoff team, like the things that make you more likely to make the playoffs. And then the last kind of frontier is the wins that take you from being a great team to being a contender.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've been talking and about this in wins, a lot of podcasts, actually. It's like, how do they make the leap from good to yeah. elite? And we basically said, the, well, they either signed John DeVarus or we don't know.
0: Yeah, and they signed John and see, this, this is, And the last leap that I mentioned, the last frontier of going from great to contender, those are the most expensive, right? Because mm-hmm. it, just like any, any business, when you, when you start investing in something, when you start improving something, you, you eventually hit kind of diminishing marginal returns. It costs more to improve yourself by, a, by the same amount every time because there's no more low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Right? When, you, when, you're, when you're a crappy, when the Leafs were 30th in the league, they could literally just replace the bottom half of the roster with people who belonged in the NHL, and that was enough to carry them a long way. Yeah. Low-hanging fruit. Now the Leafs are more or less icing strong players almost everywhere, uh, strong players in most of the lineup. The yeah. way to improve it is to get elite players somewhere, mm-hmm. and that's that's what Taveras does. He makes the team better right now.
1: To go from good to elite, you have to replace a good player with an elite player. Um, it's not, yeah, not or, or, you know it's push good to good
0: keep... player push the good player down in your lineup or something. Right? like it, yeah, yeah. It,
1: you know it's good to add good depth if you can. But what's really going to make the difference isn't, you know, improving your fourth line center and stuff. It's good to do that if you can do it, don't get me wrong. But you have to make a real upgrade. And an upgrade like, I don't know, replacing Tyler Bozak with John Tavares is exactly that. And further to that, um, trying to find elite players is very, very hard by definition. Yes, that's the other thing. Um,
0: They're not available. Yeah, I
1: mean, we've just been talking about how often these players come to the free agency market, and the answer is basically never. Um, And even if they do, they have, in in this case, Tavares narrowed it down to six teams off the hop who were bidding on his his services, but I'm sure there were half the league who would have been interested if he'd heard from them. Um, It's a tough way to rely on, and so when you get a chance at elite talent like this, you really got to jump on it. And I'm glad the Beliefs did.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a tweet that argued that, you know, instead of signing John Tavares, why don't you look, go after Ryan O'Reilly in a trade? Mm-hmm. Right, because O'Reilly's a very, very good player, makes considerably less, makes four million dollars less, and you know, I, I just kind of poo-pooed the notion that oh, you can replace a guy like Tavares with a few lower-valued players. But if you if you replaced Tavares and you know replacement pla- replacement placeholder X mm-hmm. with Ryan O'Reilly and someone worth $4 million, I think the latter would come out ahead because O'Reilly is close to Tavares in terms of his ability. But O'Reilly wasn't necessarily available. He was there in a trade. There's another party there. Buffalo may not want to send him to us.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and, who knows what they're demanding in order to yes, send him to us.
0: It's, it's... Like, if you're asking me the choice, who would I rather have? A trade for Ryan O'Reilly or signing John Tavares? Depending on the package, I might go a trade for Ryan O'Reilly. But we don't get that choice necessarily. Yeah. You know, you're, you're choosing between imperfect options and John Tavares is is as close to a perfect imperfect option as there is.
1: Yeah. I I think that that's actually the best way to say it. Like, you know, no, it's not a panacea. No, he doesn't guarantee us a cup. This was the move. This was, you know, we talked about Dubas is going to have to make a big move. Yeah. Uh, This is it. Um, This was the one that we could see as a possibility and he jumped on the opportunity. Um, people talk about, again, upgrading the defense. Uh, I had a discussion with an uncle of mine who was saying, they're not going to sign to Uh, they want to sign defenseman. And I said at the time, I said like, look, that's great. Get elite defenseman if one falls into your lap. Um, but the best defenseman on the free agency market this year was at the time, John Carlson. And he ended up extending with Washington. Um, Doughty has extended with the LA Kings. Oliver ekman Larson has extended with Arizona. Eric Carlson is probably going to extend with wherever he's traded to, since I think that that will be a condition of the trade, but we'll see. You know, again, this was a very rare opportunity. And, you know, I think that saying, oh, well, it's a little bit of extra money or whatever, um, that's penny-wise and pound-foolish to me. This is the time to go all in and... We did it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I think this is going to be like the most fevered podcast that we've ever produced because, like, I feel like I'm floating right now.
0: Like, this yeah, is unreal. I, I feel like I'm not articulating my thoughts well because my mind's just like thinking of. John Tavares passing to William Nylander and John Tavares passing to Mitch Marner and Mitch Marner passing back to John Tavares and him doing a lap around the ice before scoring.
1: (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh my
0: God. I was all Um, worried. I was
1: like, what's going to happen to our power play? Oh wait, we added John Tavares. (laughs) I think we'll be all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We hopefully, I mean, we, we can figure it out. It's it's so, it's so hard to add this amount of wins with one roster spot. Yeah. As I said, we, we don't have a lot of roster spots to upgrade. Mm-hmm. right unless unless you start trading away half the team and then like it, it becomes infeasible very quickly yeah um, it, it's it's truly astounding um, okay so we should talk about the trade-offs that the Leafs will have to encounter mm-hmm. as a result of this because uh, you know as we've said a couple times they do exist and they are real and yeah you know this this signing it isn't 100% positive zero percent negative um, this essentially closes the door on Jake Gardner re signing after this season? Yeah,
1: I, I won't go all the way to impossible, but I'll say unlikely.
0: It, like, becomes, it becomes very hard unless he's very willing to take a discount.
1: Yeah, and you know, Tavares did just take a discount, although I'm super reluctant to start saying, well,
0: now everybody will want to stay here. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we saw with Chicago that, like, you know, what, they had won and then it started splintering, right? Mm-hmm. Players want more money. want They want a bigger role. And that's fair.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows? I, I don't know what uh, Jake Gardner's rep around the league is. And I have a bit of a suspicion that he's maybe a little underrated in some corners. But he I just think had... it's
0: lower than he deserved, but higher yeah. than we will pay.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, he just had a 50-point season.
0: Yeah, which... like those guys don't guarantee... I mean, I mean, we see the types of deals that... Uh, players are getting right now in the UFA market it, it, every every season. It, it's and it's easy to dunk on GMs and say, "Hey, this is stupid," and it is. But I do understand why they do it because they need to improve their team. Yeah. Right. How how, how do you improve your team? You have well, you have to get players. Well, I mean. Like, uh, it's easy to say, okay, stay away from them and try and shop undervalued guys instead. But undervalued guys are undervalued for a reason. They're typically not as good, even if they are undervalued. If you can find a guy who you're 100% sure, oh, this guy is, you know, this guy's great. He's, Mm -hmm. and he's so much cheaper than player X who's getting so much more on the market. Good. But those guys are not that common. Often it's a guy who has, you know, a few holes that you're, that you think, okay, well, you know, I think this guy could step into a, a bigger role or could provide some value for money here. But it's not obvious. It's not... A lot of the low-hanging fruit is, is gone yeah. nowadays. Right? It, it was much easier when you could find guys who put up like a 4% percent coursey row making a million dollars who were not valued for some reason. But teams are getting a bit smarter about that.
1: Well, there is still one. His name is Cody Franson. And he's yeah, looking yeah. for a contract. But <laughs> Cody Franson aside, uh, yeah, you, you know, it's tough uh, to, to upgrade now. And I mean... You look at that deals, doesn't
0: excuse the GMs. Like they no. it's a stupid decision in ma- in many cases, well, well, but you, it's you, sort of an understandable yeah. thing to, for them to do. Because again, they they need to they need to add wins to the roster somehow. Uh, it's not. I say this a few times in the box, but it's not a viable strategy to say, let's go win a trade.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, sometimes it'll fall into your lap, and sometimes the other team won't be stupid. Or sometimes the other team may even be irrational. You'll offer them a reasonable deal and they won't be interested.
0: Um, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to upgrade your team. Uh, it, players aren't always available. You're, like you're choosing from a very constrained market is, is mm-hmm. the point. And you know, if you, you can very easily box yourself in if you don't think that any of the lower end options on the market can fit your, your needs. Now, whether, they can or can't, that's a question for your pro scouting and your, your front office staff, and that's what you really need to assess. And this is also part of why it's smart to um, load up on stars because if you're only replacing kind of the depth fringe parts of your roster, those guys are much more fung- uh, fungible, and those guys, you know, even on the low end of the market, it's not hard to find guys who can be a fourth-line left wing, a fourth-line center, yeah. um, a, a third-fourth-line tweener, a third pair uh, or seventh D. It's not that hard to find those guys. What's hard to do is find the the guys who you're comp, or who, who you're confident will step into your middle six or play a supporting role with your next to your stars. Those guys are hard to find. And that's why you see players like James Van Riemsdijk, uh and Tyler Bozak, who are kind of elite complementary players. I would say they go. Yeah, it's a good not, way to put it. Yeah, they're not elite players on their own, but you can play them in. In a variety of roles with stars or in a sheltered position and they're going to do well and you're fairly confident they're going to do well that's why they get charged so much more
1: yeah yeah it's, uh, it's kind
0: uh, of you're, you're, pay- you're paying for the avoidance of risk right um so a- another example of this is like with derek ryan and, and nick shore so derek ryan's a free agent center well no mm-hmm. longer free agent he went to calgary for three years three million something like that mm. he's a competent third line center and you can be fairly sure that he's a competent third line center And then you have a guy like Nick Shore, who is kind of floated um, on the periphery of the league. He spent some time in LA and in Ottawa and Calgary last year. Mm -hmm. And his numbers look good in a fourth line role. Yes. And I'm pretty confident he could be a fourth line center. Can he play a bit higher up in the lineup? Especially as teams sort of move to a top nine, bottom three position where there's a bit more of a delineation between the fourth line and and others. I'm not as sure. So yes, you can get him for cheaper, but you have to be confident that he can actually play that role because if... You're wrong, and he can't. He flounders there. You might have wasted a, a year of your team's prime, or you might have significantly hampered your team, and now you have to pay assets to rectify that at some other point.
1: Yeah. For example, trading a second a second round pick for a fourth line center every trade deadline. Yeah. Just to pick an example team be out of year.
0: Stu- what team would be stupid enough to do that?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. And uh, I think that that's a good point. Is you know ideally you want players who are overqualified at every position. We were talking with Kevin. Uh, recently, about how that's what the Marleys have managed to achieve, and mm-hmm. don't look now, but they just won in the Calder Trophy.
0: Not the Calder Trophy. Aided the by Calder the fact that there's no AHL salary cap. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's the other thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's what you want. Now, having said that, I want Nick Shore as their fourth line center, but that's sort of an yeah, aside. No, I, but I, yeah, I, as a
0: fourth line center, he'd be great. I, I have questions about him if he's your Plan A, or if, you, if you're counting on him to like play third line role, a third line role with like. Talented complimentary players who you expect to score, mm-hmm. then you're then you have to like kind of really rely on your pro scouting and your analytic staff that okay we can we there's something there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, I mean, geez, it's kind of bewildering because I was sort of thinking, okay, where are we going to get our third line center? There are a lot of you know I was thinking kind of on that lane in terms of guys who are fourth line centers who, who um, you are
0: hoping you can move up a little bit. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I, uh, like the, the low end of the market. Right. Because yeah, it's so hard to find actual third line centers as, as crazy as it is who don't get really overpaid.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a great place to, to overpay the middle class of the NHL, but now it's like, we've locked in our top three centers for the next four years minimum. Yeah. Like we kind of, you know, I still would like to have more center depth, but like,
0: that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, but it, it, given that our top three centers are kind of locked in, I don't mind getting the Josh Jurises of the world for mm-hmm. 650K and saying, you know what, you're, you're going to play seven minutes a night. Yeah. Like, your job is to go there and make sure nothing happens when you're on the ice. Keep, keep the ice nice and warm for when Austin or Naz or John step back on.
1: You know, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but Ben Smith, uh, the year that everyone absolutely hated him, had an expected goals percentage on the fourth line of, like, 49. And I yeah. was like, if that's borne out uh, at this point, that's fine. You know, I, I don't know that Ben Smith was actually performing at that level, but, like, yeah. Um, at this point, like, our fourth line, I like, I like the idea of having an overpowered fourth line, don't get me wrong, but it's less critical now because I think even Mike Babcock is going to be like, okay, time to really ride these horses that I've got.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, you need to save money somewhere, and given that the Leafs' clear need is kind of on their defense, I'd rather they put the few resources that they have left. I'd rather they put them towards that.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I mean, this is kind of, jeez, like it just yeah. it really changes the whole complexion of the team and the future of this team.
0: Um, yeah. So, as you said quite astutely early on, like the, the core of this team is locked in. What's going to change is the people around them, and that means. Mm-hmm. What this, the other thing this means is that the Leafs have to be, A, ruthless, and B, they can't make mistakes. They don't have margin for error anymore mm-hmm. um, because now they've committed such a significant part of their cap to, uh, to you know, a few players. The good news is you know, a lot of errors are made in getting guys who you hope will play up, up to a certain level you know, or play above what they've shown before. And if things work out well, all the Leafs will need from here on out, you know, for the next few years, which is as far as you can reasonably project, is guys who can play decently with stars.
1: Yeah, you know, guys, like Andreas Janssen has become a great example. Yeah. Kasperi Kapitan, you know, I'll take guys with a bit of speed, a bit of offensive capacity, you know, and get the Marlies to teach them some PK um, down there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it's as much paint by numbers as that, but like, that's kind of the ideal. Is that you develop well-rounded players who have a bit of a spark to them, and you can slot them in around your elite core. Uh, you, yeah, and- you mentioned, you know, part of the the magic of Connor McDavid is that you can put a scrub with him, and Connor McDavid will make the scrub score thirty times. Uh, John Tavares is a slightly less pronounced version of that.
0: Yeah, you you, you just get a guy with the, like you get a guy next to him with some skill. Just be, they just have to, they don't have to be a driver. They just have to be able to keep up, Mm-hmm. right, and. You know, if they, if they do that, then you're in great shape. This, this also means the Leafs are going to have to rely very heavily on their drafting and on their, I guess, on their European pro scouting because that's a great way to find uh, depth players, right, who want to make a name for themselves in the NHL. They haven't proven anything in the NHL, so their demands are generally small. It's, I mean, all you can give them is an ELC. Yeah. Uh, which are, by definition, cheap. Yes. And then you can you can kind of turn that, right? Uh, if, you know... It, Miro Alton, for example, didn't he didn't quite work out in terms of having an impact on the NHL roster, but mm-hmm. the Leafs were able to sign him to an ELC. He cost nothing on their cap. He played a big part for the Marlies, if nothing else. And there's no long term consequences there, so it was kind of no downside, lots of not lots of upside, but medium upside, in that you could yeah. potentially get an NHLer. Same thing with uh, with Parlinton. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Andres Borgman with Kalle Rosen.
1: Yeah, one of whom will likely be, I I mean Borgman. At, was already pretty much there, but like they're one of them is probably going to be a full-time NHL next year for us. Um, so, you know, that's great. If you, if you're finding that on ELCs, you know, and you're paying like a million dollars that's great. And you, you know, going down the line in future on draft day, uh, maybe we were already doing this to some extent, but like when you're thinking of the, you know, the Rasmus Sandines of the world, the ideal for them will be guys who can come up in two or three years, on an ELC and contribute meaningfully around an already solid elite core, uh, Chicago yeah. did this very well for a long time. They've kind of the air's finally gone out of the balloon, but I think you have to give credit where they do. They won three cups in six years. They had hell of yeah, a run.
0: So if if they if they do that, if the Leafs do that, um, you know what they can sign. They can sign thirty-one year old declining Morgan Roddy to whatever contract they want. You
1: know? Yeah. You know, uh, when you when you're like a semi dynasty, you earn a bit of leeway to be like, well, we'll take one or two more shots at it, even if it's an overpay.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so <laughs> I, you know, I think we've been pretty measured throughout most of this. So let's let's have some fun. Um, what are your lead forward lines? Oh. How, how would how would you, uh, Fulham and Babcock, <laughs> adjust uh, these lines to I guess take advantage of? Yeah, take advantage of this ridiculously stacked forward depth.
1: This is the incredible thing. Um, the Leafs right now, okay, so they have three elite or very, very good centers and two uh, elite right-wingers and then Patrick Marlowe, who's a pretty good left wing. And it's just kind of a question of how to do that. I like the idea of having uh, Hyman, Matthews, Nylander. You know I'm going to mm-hmm. keep Zach Hyman on the first line. <laughs> um, Janssen, Kadri and Marner and then Marlow, uh, Tavares and Kapanen to start. Now that's not giving the absolute highest end stuff to Tavares, but I'm giving him guys who can skate and guys who have a bit of hands. I think the Tavares multiplier effect could, I, I mean, I think he could help Patrick Marlowe sustain another 25 goal season Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by getting an upgrade in the center quality. And I think he could give Kasperi Kappen in a breakout year on the third line. And in addition to that, you have a first line that we already know has proven to be near the top of the NHL offensively. And then I really like the idea of Janssen, Kadri, Marner, especially if they get a little bit more breathing room in terms of competition. You know, yeah. just a little bit more than they've had, because Nazan Kadri is, first and foremost, a devastating offensive center. So, yeah, I, I think that that would be how I would start. What would you do?
0: I think I, I would I would do Hyman, Matthews, Marner. Mm. I, I still do like Hyman there, because, you know, as much as Tavares impacts the Leafs um, in so many brilliant ways, the Leafs still don't have a lot of great forecheckers. Hyman's still probably the best one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh,
0: and uh, I don't know. I, I like I like his ability to get get off shots in tight to cause havoc around the net. Uh, he's not the first line left winger of my dreams, but I think he's he's really good, especially when you want to balance out your your roster. He he yeah. scored his primary points for sixty was at pretty much a first line pace this last season, um, yeah, it's incredible when you think about it. And, yeah, I really like the, just the passing of Marner with, with Matthews. Obviously, Neilander has a similar passing moody, but I think Marner is a bit more creative and a bit more... I don't know. He's, he has a certain panache about him with his passing. I just I love the idea of him with Matthews. I think that'll be something special. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do... So, Tavera on the second line. Obviously, I'd have Neilander on his right side. And let's say... I would say someone like... Uh, let's say Janssen on his left mm-hmm. side. I, I like the idea of playing... Taveras with shooters, and I think Nylander is more of a shooting threat than, than Marner.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's true.
0: And they're both brilliant passers as well. I think they would combine really, really nicely. Janssen, another pretty uh, rugged forechecker, despite his size. I think he could add some sandpaper to that line. And he's he skilled enough that I can see him kind of finishing up on, on garbage plays. Yeah. Uh, the third line, I'd do Kadri, Marleau, Kapanen. Right, so I think that's like not too dissimilar to what you have. I think I really just switched. I switched. Uh, I basically transposed like three wingers, and then it's basically the same thing as you. And then yeah. the fourth line, whatever. Juris, <laughs> Levo, Lindholm, somewhere. Connor Brown. Let Levo play center. Give him. Give him a shot. Yeah. Who? Cares? Get a make a wish kid. Every single. Every <laughs> single game.
1: You get to play on the the best forward lineup in the NHL, probably. <laughs>
0: Josh Levo still watches from the press box. I was <laughs> like, you to know, a 12 year old child uh, plays that.
1: Sorry, sorry, Josh. We just couldn't find room for you. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when I look at that, I think that this is at least competitive for the best forward lineup in the NHL. Uh, Pittsburgh is still probably the team to beat, although they're allegedly thinking of trading Phil Castle. So, mm. uh, you know
0: what? I, I, I think this is a better, this is a stronger forward lineup than Pittsburgh's.
1: Yeah, I, I, I th- certainly it's deeper. In terms yeah. of, like, there's going to be a threat somewhere that really you can't answer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Phil is is phenomenal. He's totally useless defensively, but you kind of don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah. But,
1: um, but you know, he doesn't... Like, they do their best work when you put uh, Kessel with, say, Malkin. Um, yeah. We, you know, we have three natural centers who are capable of producing. And then, again, two probably first-line caliber wings. Like... I honestly think we have, like, five first-line forwards. That's the reality here. Um, yeah. And two of them are, at least, are not just first-line. Like, Tavares is a top-ten center, and Matthews is going
0: to be if he isn't already. Yeah, like, and, I mean, if you're as bullish on Nylander and Marner as I am, I mean, I, th- mm-hmm. I think both of those guys are elite, or are going to be elite wingers. Um, and, like, like top top five, top 10 wingers. Uh, okay, top 20. I'll be a bit more recent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, actually, Nylander's already pretty much, his, his year last year, both of them, I think, are pretty much top 20 wingers. Um, yeah. So, and they're so young, right? I can see them improving.
2: Yeah. I, I you mean, would that's... expect
0: them to improve, really. So it's, yeah, it's a pretty devastating core.
1: Yeah, I mean, i just, it, I'm just so excited to see this team play. Uh, it is offense first. Um, oh, I'm yeah. hoping that Mike Babcock can make some tactical adjustments in terms of the
0: breakouts because, as we yeah. know,
1: those weren't great last year. We relied a lot on the stretch pass.
0: Yeah, I, we've talked about this kind of offline, but yeah, we're, we're both kind of banking on a lot of the Leafs' issues to be systemic and, like, a tactical problem that Babcock wasn't able to solve last year that we're hoping he can solve this year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, alternately, I mean, one thing I do think is that if it becomes clear that our three best defensemen are, in some order, Riley, Gardner, Dermott, I mm-hmm. want one of them playing on the right side Yeah. in, in, a, in a top four role. Like, it's, it makes no sense. You don't want to become a slave to handedness to the point that you're overplaying uh, worse players, right? Like, these players are good enough to adjust, I think, with, maybe with some loss of, of effectiveness, mm-hmm. but probably not a loss big enough to offset the difference in talent between Travis Dermott and Ron Hainsey.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, at a certain point, it's time to just play the best defenseman. Like, I know we've all kind of fallen in love with handedness, and there was that study where it said you have to generate, what what is it, like, four more shot attempts per hour uh, yeah, like, to be I'm, worth it? I know the
0: exact number, but it, it was, like, a non negligible effect.
1: Yeah. Um, I just saw something, apparently quoting Bob McKenzie, saying... Mackenzie says uh a big part of Toronto's pitch to Devaros was that they could run Matthews neilander and devaros Martyr one two um wow <laughs> I mean all yeah, right um, fine by me <laughs> yeah oh that's bonkers well i I, I mean it, this is it
0: really is like oh my goodness like <laughs> I, and then behind that you have you have Kadri with I don't know cap let's say like yeah I I, you know I, I think I'm probably more more lower on Kapanen's offensive upside than a lot of Leaf fans are. But,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if he's your third-line right wing, like, yeah, I'm confident saying he's above average for, your, for the third-line right wing in terms of offensive ability.
1: Yeah, I think it will be fine. Also, I mean, Condry spent most of last year with late-stage Leo Komarov, who <laughs> I love him, but, like, he was the opposite of offense. Like, mm. he, he produced nothing, which was kind of incredible because Condry was still producing for long stretches. And just none of it was going through Leo Sticks. So Yeah, I, I mean I don't I don't see any way that we don't wind up with three pretty incredible lines. Like like yeah. this team could threaten they probably won't quite get there because nobody does, but like this team is going to be closer to four goals a game than three, I think. Um the uh the capitals in two thousand and 910, I think it was, when that year where they just scored all the time, they were 3.86 per game. And I think they were kind of the modern high watermark. These Leafs yeah. maybe won't quite touch that, but they're going to be, like, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the Leafs far and away the top scoring team in
0: the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. So, one thing I want to mention before we wrap up, we've talked a lot. I guess we, the Leafs, okay. when we're talking about, um, the least possible upgrade options this season, we've kind of given them a buffer for, uh, for potential bonus overages. And what that means, essentially, is that it means we would not want to put Nathan Horton's contract on long-term IR, because the second you do, it means you've exceeded the cap. That's the whole point of long-term IR. Mm-hmm. And at that point, any bonuses that you achieve, which would essentially come from uh, Matthews and Marner, more or less... Um, will be attacked onto next year. The Leafs don't have to make that choice. No. If they want to, they could say, you know what? No, we're going to use the full LTIR. In that case, they would still have like 9 million of cap space left. They could conceivably trade for like Jeff Skinner if they wanted to.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or, and that's what it would have to be
0: is yeah. a trade because the free
1: agency it. market is now done except for James Neal.
0: And Calvin DeHaan. Oh, yeah. As he, oh, yeah. he signed. Yeah, so
1: mostly so, yeah. it's pretty much done.
0: It, it's it's pretty much done. So yeah, it would have to be like a trade acquisition who is enough of an upgrade on realistically Janssen or Kapanen um, to make the lack of flexibility that you would get in future years worth it. So, I mean, we'll see. One thing that not using the bonus room, uh, or sorry, not using long-term IR would help with is that it means the Leafs could bank cap space. And that means they could add they could have Jeff Skinner at the deadline. or yeah. I'm using Jeff Skinner as a placeholder for a rental, but mm-hmm. they can add someone at the deadline uh, and it wouldn't really affect this year's cap or next year's cap necessarily.
1: Yeah, just to clarify what that means is um, because you know NHLers get their salary every two weeks, um, there's a multiplier effect that goes on there. By the time you get to the trade deadline, the season is two-thirds done. So conceivably, you can add a $6 million player with two million dollars in cap space, give or take, yep. Um, but that is impaired if you're using long term IR, um, which has a bunch of odd mechanics to it that I barely remember and that aren't worth their time right now. But let's just say that it will probably be to their benefit, um, to not use it if they can. It's not LTIR is not quite free money, um, yeah. and so it's to your, your benefit it has not trade as such, yeah. Um, I I I do expect the Leafs are going to go into next season with approximately this roster now. Yeah. Um. This was it. So.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be pretty quiet throughout. Maybe some depth moves, some minor league moves. Juris might even be a minor league move. His salary is completely uh, variable in the AHL. He could get claimed on waivers, but he's the type of guy where if he gets claimed on waivers, you don't really mind that much.
1: Yeah. Y- you know, and I don't. I would be surprised if someone stole us. Although Juris was claimed on waivers two years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he's exactly the kind of guy who you can have around. If he impresses you and steals a job in camp, terrific. If he doesn't send him down, you'll probably get to keep him on a fairly strong HL team. Um, yep. So yeah, costs you only a contract slot. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another signing or two of that nature, but like the only guys that I expect us to sign who are going to be making more than, I don't know, 2 million or whatever, or like, not maybe not even that, but, like, we'll get Nylander and Johnson wrapped up, and that'll be it.
0: Yep. Okay, I think uh, that pretty much covers everything that we wanted to discuss about Tavares. I'm impressed with how little I know, joyous yelling there was on this, on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I
1: did open with just a, a howl, but beyond yeah. that.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have an air horn next to me, and I was re- coming very close to using it, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this has been a crazy, crazy day of free agency. It's almost literally unprecedented. You can find oh. all of mine and Fuleman's stuff at pensionpenpuppets.com. We will be updating you on the rest of, the, of what the Leafs are going to do. We will be fawning over John Tavares. We will be <laughs> providing you all the content that, you, that your Leafs fan heart desires over the rest of the offseason. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. My at is at RV, A-R-V-I. And Fullerman's at AT Fullerman. And yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.